the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 104, recorded Sunday, August 18th, 2013. I'm on top. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright, because no one has fired me yet. Um, I guess my name's Tim Albright, because that's what my parents named me. I'm your host, because no one's fired me yet. How about that? Uh, in studio, bright and uh, fresh off the campaign trail, we affectionately refer to him as Uncle Cricket. His name is Michael Drainer, <laughs> and he is something uh, important with Sennheiser USA. How are you, sir? I'm glad to be back. Doing well, and we're going to have to see what we can do about uh, speaking to your boss about your employment situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George, <laughs> speaking of my boss, George Tucker is my boss. He's the actually the engineering coordinator for World Stage in his real life, um, and he's from Yonkers, New York. How are you, brother? I'm doing very fine, and if only I could do a Donald Trump imitation. But I can't. <laughs> You're a New Yorker. Every New Yorker does a Donald Trump imitation. Come on. Uh, Let's hear it, George. No, it just makes Come me on, upset. Uncle George. All you right. can do it, Uncle George. I don't even watch the show. Come on. I only know about the tagline, and I'm not going to attempt it. Sorry. You're fired. That was more Harvey Firestone. What was that? You're fired. That was Harvey Firestone. Like that, I could do. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille. All right. Uh, <laughs> just do the whole show like that. Everybody just talk All right. About and from the left coast, from, uh, <coughs> holy cow, that hurts my throat. Would you like some water, um, sir? <laughs> his name's Rich Fergoza. Oddly enough, he's a part of a, a company called Fergoza Design. Don't know where they came up with that name. Um, how are you, Uncle Richie? Uncle Richie is uh, sitting up and upright and recovered from a... Dastardly summer cold. I've discovered that toddlers are the walking petri dishes of the world. You discovered that lately, this time around. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they they uh, they actually are indeed. Um, this week, uh, by the way, we're doing this on Sunday. All of us are giddy. Half of us are drunk. I'm not going to tell you which half. Uh, <laughs> there'll be a test at the end. Yeah, there'll, yeah, there'll be a, a sobriety test, test at the end. Um, it's my upper half. It's very nice. <laughs> There's a joke there that I refuse to do. Uh, going to talk about Ubuntu because uh, it's always fun. Uh, coding and uh, some other stuff. Actually, uh, uh, our, our favorite um, VC, uh, Mr. Fred Wilson, has got some uh, some thoughts about physical versus digital. But first, the, uh, the the big giant news of the week in the world of AV was HD Base T 2.0 launches. Yes. Um, and the crowd goes wild. Yay. Yay. Actually, I, I, here's the thing. Uh, I actually talked with these guys on Monday or Tuesday of this week, and they, they're very excited, and they should be. A couple of things that they've got going on. First of all, they have a switcher-like device, a switch, okay? Um, and they call it... Uh, the TARDIS. Yeah. Well, it's not the TARDIS, <laughs> but thank you. It was very nice. Um, it's... <laughs> Okay, so it's not a switch in the terms of AVB switches, right? This is not a midpoint. I'm sorry. It is a midpoint. It's just not a midpoint like the switch for the AVB. You cannot network this thing, but it's it's kind of like a – how do I put this? Since HD base T is everything – oh, stop, Michael. He's staring at me weirdly. Um, since HD base T is what's inside uh, AMX and Crestron's um, – uh, DM, let's call it a matrix. So you have Is this like when a boy switch and a girl switch meet. Yes. <laughs> That's where that comes so from. So instead of doing point to point, they have a middle area now that they can meet and they can send it different places and it's all hunky dory. So it's it's their it's their foray into switching. Right? It's it's it like HD Nooner. You really Which took a long way around that one. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. 
So, this is why I'm not a director. This is why we shouldn't do this on Sundays. <laughs> and this is why the three of you shouldn't drink because I'm perfectly fine. I have a mocha. It's caffeine. I'm perfectly maybe pover. a little Kahlua. Yes, I don't exactly. Know. Um, <laughs> Okay, so it's a midpoint, but it's not a midpoint I'm like on the West Coast. I've got a prescription. I've got... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm in Illinois. Give me a couple of months. I got January first. I can get the prescription too, bud. Uh, um, so we were talking about HB HBST. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, we had a, a very a very nice person on from AVB, and I made the statement, and I, I still kind of stand by this that. I, I used to say that AV, AVB was kind of versus HD base T, and I, I, I so was trying to make that, that war happen. And after Infocom, it didn't feel like that was valid. I, I still kind of don't. But with this revision, it kind of feels like HD base T was like, well, we might not be competing with them directly, but we might be. Um, George, first of all, given everything that's in this 2.0, and they say it's for residential because really that's kind of what they're they're trying to mm -hmm. hit on. Mm -hmm. um, does it are are they first of all are they headed in the right direction? And if they're not, what do they need to to uh, to get in the right direction? And if they are, uh, what do they need to continue that way? Well, I think for residential, they're in the right direction, and until. As we spoke a couple of episodes again with, with the, the woman from Meyer, if, until they merge, this is the right direction for them because they're going to have to find some other outlet for it and make it a natural path. And I think for residential, this works just fine, and they may actually take some market share. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's a nice mid-level installation uh, product that guys can do some good business with and make some money off of. For pro and something that can compete with, say, how Dante works from Yamaha and the rest? No. So take no. market share from whom, though? That's what I'm... Well, from Copper? Anyone else who's putting out a really high-priced topology for this kind of stuff. Okay. They're selling products that are not going to be sold by the other boys that they're already inside, right? No, 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 that's, tr that's true. Uh, Rich, let's talk with you because you are um, the most residential person on this panel. Mm -hmm. Is this something that, I mean, are, are you excited about HD Base T? Are you excited about 2.0? Or is it, you know, you're still, are you still kind of hanging back and, and waiting for, uh, for some more maturity? I think if they can deploy it, it from a residential standpoint, it, it, again, think all, pretty much all of the major players in residential are using HD Base T already. I mean, you can go down their, their members list and mm -hmm. you work your way through and you're like, yep. Company A, Company B, Company C, Company D, and it, it was funny because I think we were just talking about it earlier. Like I, you know, I constantly get all of this stuff in the mail, like you know, from distributors and and everybody else. And I was looking at the other day, is that uh, like I was seeing HDMI extenders for like sixty five bucks, you know, a point to point extender for like sixty five bucks, and then mm -hmm. you know, a, a little four way switcher. I think you know, I, I have no idea of the quality of these, mind you, or even if Valens and HPDD base T is behind it. But it was like $150 for like a little switcher. So if if the the consortium can go ahead and push this out and not have as many point-to-point -point devices as they've they've currently had, and they can basically create their own, you know, for right now their own proprietary uh, audio video switching network that also does Ethernet and data transmission, and they can do it at a price point that allows a, a cost of entry um, that they wouldn't see before. You know, perfect example. I, you know, I've got a, it's, it's well known, I've got a pretty big restaurant system in my house. And prior to my HDMI switching system, I had an analog switching system in here. You know, I had 10 grand just in switchers. You know, by the time the switcher and all of the remote boxes and everything else came around the first time, and the second time around, it wasn't that much less either. Uh, so what they're talking about is, being able to do, you know, maybe a four by four, or a, you know, an eight by eight matrix at a at a price point that, you know, comes in under literally, you know, sub five figures, um, they're they're going to be able to find some. I, I you know, mid level, for me, I see it as kind of the entry level. I see it as kind of the gateway device, you know, along the same way that uh, what was it HD based T light came out. Yeah, yeah. Where they said, yeah, it's kind of 1080, maybe, maybe not, but. For people who are saying, yeah, you can have one cable box, one DirecTV receiver, one Apple TV, whatever it happens to be, you know, a surveillance camera, and you can just send this 
to all the TVs in your house and we can do it very economically, you know, maybe or maybe it isn't full 1080p, maybe it isn't, you know, the complete robust solution that some of the other manufacturers are offering, client isn't necessarily going to care. And if the, the sales numbers, I think, are immediately going to start to reflect that. And I think well, you'll wind up seeing it from um, some of the newcomers who are doing, uh, you know, control systems. You know, and again, this is this ties perfectly into what we're seeing, which is a consolidation and a commoditization of the products. You know, what's happening again that we saw, like, you weren't making money on TVs, so you started selling big switchers. Well, now they're saying, well, you don't really, you know, based if we can price it right, you may not need an expensive switcher. They're going to be able to find inroads that it might not even be the traditional AV market integrator that's going to be selling these. I could see other markets that are going to pick up on this and say, yeah, all of a sudden I'm doing a surveillance camera or a security system or a garage door or a central vac system. And oh, by the way, we've got this little box and you plug a couple of pieces in and there's already Cat5 in your house. Uh, I, I think it's much larger in terms of associated trades potentially being marketed to and entering and, and kind of cross-pollinating as to, you know, what the, the traditional AV integrator is going to see. I think people definitely need to pay attention to it because it's, it's starting. And it's, it's what we've been talking about for years. IT and AV are converging very quickly. Well, and this is-, this is just the first part again. You're you're dead on though, Rich. I mean, it's 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 now going to be Time Warner and Charter, you know, deploying your your home AV system because it's all okay. HD standard compliant. You know, I mean, it's the 2.0 with the OSI standardization now allows us to to have greater control from the protocol standpoint and be able to deploy this stuff more effectively and making it easier, like you said, for cross-trade organizations to be able to do it. And we've been seeing it for a number of years in different aspects of the AV industry, uh, video conferencing. It's not AV integrators deploying in a, a video conferencing by large, it's IT integrators making that happen. We're just the guys on the sidelines saying, yeah, here's our display, go ahead and hook it up there. You know, So I, I, I see this going down that same path. But see, that's a mistake because we're, not that, not that guys want to make their and, and women want to make their money hanging and selling displays. I mean, my, George has made points about this, you know, incredibly over over the past six months. That if you're in the business of 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 hanging displays, you're going to go under really quickly. You've got to get in where these where the the uh, IT people are, and. Get ahead of them, but but that's what I'm saying. That that's why the service providers. This is going to be mm, the upsell okay. for them. You're going to see that the home AV integrator is going to have a tougher time because what additional value are they bringing to the to the consumer, right? I've got to get my service from somewhere, whether it's the Direct TV guy or the the Charter guy or or whatever the case may be. So you know he's already on site. He's got the facilities to do it. It's just a piece of Cat Five. Right, the device already does it. HD, or um, I'm sorry, um, HD Base T 2.0 now supports everything that we need to be able to transport this media. So again, what value does the consumer or does the uh, the integrator bring at that stage of the game? Yeah, I mean, except for because because it, it's all app based control now. Yeah, uh, real quickly before we get off that, because we have a story about app based control. Uh, Rich, the fact that they named this the HD Base T Consortium named it Home Play. Uh, and the home play switch is the is the centerpiece, is the midpoint, um, to, to use AVB uh, terminology. Is that a mistake to, to to put all their eggs in the residential basket, uh, you know, basket by naming it home play? No, I don't, because I, I think what's going to happen with with the 2.0 standard and differentiating it is, and again, we again, I'm I'm the low, I tend to be the lone resi guy here speaking to the market. And I'm even more of the niche because I'm ultra high end resi. So I don't even speak to, you know, kind of the, the, the entry level market. But the fact is, is that there's no way, uh, and George can back me up on this, but there, there's no way that this would be allowed in a campus or government situation, this type of switcher. No I, I can't imagine now, any IT manager would allow this product. Uh, okay, except I, I, this. I disagree. Go ahead, Tim. I don't think there's enough layers. No, 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 no layers. It's it, it, it's it's its own um, it, it's its own ecosystem. It, it is self-contained, mm-hmm. and that's why I think they would. But the the amount of copper that you're running, because again, you still have the distance limitations on this. Yeah. So. You know, in, in, there was no mention of repeaters. There was no mention of the switch packets. You know, again, there's there's still a whole lot left open, you know, once you go past that 100-meter mark, as, as far as from what I can tell. 
Well, but but the standard the standard's just been ratified and approved. I mean, 2.0's been released. It's just a matter of time till the chipset's deployed into other products that are going to expand that capability. You know, I mean, the same thing happened with Revision 1.0, and the same thing happened with AVB. It's like, okay, well, we can only use this switch now, but, you know, a year later, we've got six switches of it. Well, we still don't have six. No, (laughs) you don't. We have two (laughs) that can do the job. And I think one of those two will do video. But but if you think about the typical campus environment, you know, Tim's actually here at the college in in the St. Louis area is a good example. Um, a lot of these systems are standalone systems. They're within the room. They really don't need to matrix outside of that space. And as you continue to grow and expand, you can always bring stuff in from the outside, you know, if you need that one or two items. But by and large, it's in-room switching and routing. Yeah, it is. And that, that's the thing is unless you're talking about, uh, you know, divisible rooms or you're talking about a, a, a building, let's say let's take a, a science building or we have mm-hmm. a, a nursing facility on our campus where we have, let's call it, let's say A&P classes. Uh, A&P, it's, uh, anatomy and physiology classes, are historically, they're, they're booked, they're on waiting lists, they're the waiting list people are on waiting lists, right? If you can have a way you where you can take one professor, one, one instructor, uh, one faculty member, and cascade that same video and that same presentation to several different lecture halls within our, our, our nursing facility, that would be something that that our nurse, our nursing faculty and staff would would find a, a, a very big benefit for. Then I would see um, the the video and, and the presentation getting outside of those lecture halls. Beyond that, I mean, you're right. It's just simply source to display. Yeah. So so in that regard, I do see this making a heavy penetration into the commercial space and really you know, somewhat of a disruptive technology to some of the bigger players, where traditionally uh, an institution might look at um, uh, AMX or a Crestron-type solution. This changes the budget drastically. Well, this, even even to go further than that, this allows manufacturers to sidestep control. Yes, companies. Com- completely. All completely. right, so let, let's, just, let's just, you know, figure, the, in like what you were talking about. I think home play is, was the right move because this, Maybe one of those few instances where something that gains traction in resi, commercial may look at after and go, oh, wow. Normally, it's always been the other way around. Somebody builds a robust solution for commercial. You know, you start building a big house or something. We find out that residential solutions don't fit the bill. So we have to take the more expensive, scalable, not as pretty commercial solutions and shoehorn them into a resi application. Right. I mean, that's what happens all the time. Right. But in this instance, you know, let's say an Onkyo, a Yamaha, an Integra, a Sony, whoever it happens to be, who makes a source device, an AV receiver, and the display devices goes, oh, and they either rebrand their own little switcher that goes along with it, that almost becomes a do-it-yourself product, as long as the cabling is there. Yeah, and, and again, exactly. cabling and, is you know, and at that point, And at that point, because there's a control layer built into this, there, you know, again, this is just taking the HDMI CEC, you know, the grand vision of what it was supposed to be and taking away some of the limitations that we had with the HDMI cable itself. You know, again, these are these are things that, you know, again, since this is so new, uh, all of a sudden, yeah, from a control standpoint, there's going to be instances where you still need a Crestron, an AMX, an Xtron. But this is an instance where they're saying, but you might not. You know? Right. And And that, I think, is where... Again, positioning on the residential side, this is something where, say, somebody has a display, a couple of AV receivers, and some source equipment. You know, if all of a sudden you can put this chipset in a receiver or a transmitter in a $299 retail AV receiver and a $99 Blu ray player, and, you know, any HD based T 2.0 display that you can pick up at any place. You know, all of a sudden you start changing it. And again, you, you do open up, you know, where your point of sale can happen. This does mm-hmm. wind up being something that you can buy retail. You know, yeah. you buy from Amazon and you can put it through that, you know, uh, again, you know, are there instances where you still need a professional integrate and everything else? Yeah, that's great. But, you know, DirecTV uses Mocha technology. They use their their um, their data over coax. There's no reason why if they looked at this a little bit closer and went, wow, we can do our home sharing over Cat5. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in this instance, you know, I do I think it's a smarter play. Yeah, because I think they can get faster traction and buy-in from associated manufacturers because there's more of them than would be found in in the commercial space. 
because the commercial space is saying we've already got these expensive ones that we're selling. <laughs> now what do we do? Well, and is is it also kind of the the whole you know get uh, acceptance through the the home kind of like the the whole iPad BYOD movement where you know uh, integrators who are dealing with the professional market the commercial market are seeing uh, you know CEOs and people that work in Fortune 500 companies saying I want to show X Y or Z from my tablet or from my phone because my kid can do it at my house. So, you know, the HD based team may be taking the approach of, you know, do some some guerrilla marketing and get get in in the people's homes and then eventually they'll want it in their boardrooms. You get wider adoption with that philosophy. Yeah. Absolutely. Most definitely. By the way, I have a, a, just a generic question. It's somewhat rhetorical and somewhat snarky. Can we stop calling AMX and Crestron a control company? Because mm. they're not anymore. I mean they, they do that too, but they do so much other stuff. What was it? Somebody said uh, Crestron's uh, like something like thirty or forty percent of their of their mark of their uh, um, revenue. Oh, it's not control anymore. It's all revenue, DM. DM. It's all DM. Yeah. So, I just just a, again rhetorical question. Moving on. Uh, you listen to AV Week. Rich Fergoza, George Tucker, uh, Michael Drainer, and some Yahoo named Tim Albright. That would be me. Uh, from Electronic House, integrated control versus multiple apps for home automation and. Uh, the pretty pictures that uh, the guys at, at uh, Electronic House, I shouldn't have said guy because it was Lisa Montgomery who wrote the piece, uh, but the fine lady who wrote the piece, uh, the pretty pictures that she put up here was pictures like Nest and uh, just different apps for uh, for uh, um, home control. Uh, there's one for IP video. There's one for your, um, your Blu-ray. So we have a thousand different devices and a thousand different apps. Or you can do integrated control. Um, Uncle Richie, since you are the, uh, again, the, 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 the our token resident, uh, resi guy, <laughs> uh, we'll start with you. And, and you, you know, you've got, obviously you have a dog in this hunt because, you know, you would rather someone put in an integrated control. But let's, let's talk about, you know, uh, entry level systems or even mid-level systems. Um, is there a case for multiple apps for home automation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, the do-it-yourself, there's, you know, people who, you know, from a point of entry, it can be their gateway. You know, it it's kind of a sticking point. The really, and, and I think it was talk, spoken about in this article, actually, I had more fun reading the comments to the article <laughs> yeah. than the comment, than the <laughs> article itself, because yeah. they brought a lot of very valid points to it. Um, but, the, the you know, this is no different than what we had in the 80s and 90s when we talked about remote control clutter. You know, you could walk into any conference room, you could walk into any home, and every device had a remote control. And so, yeah, technically you could pick up the remote and hit input, turn the light, do this and the other thing. All that's happened is it's been consolidated into a, um, you know, in, into either a tablet or, or a mobile device. And the problem is, I mean, heck, I'm looking at my own phone, you know, I've got four pages of apps, you know, and that's with them nested inside folders. So I probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of like a hundred apps sitting on my phone. Sometimes the hardest thing for me is to find out, find the app half the time. <laughs> I'm right you, there you with know, you. Hey, hey, Rich, you can, you can nest those in one folder, you know, by, if you drag them and I know. Even then, I still lose it. So it's like, you know, that's, I should hire a technology. How many nests can you, you need? You need a digital concierge is what you need. Exactly. Ah, there you go. There we go. I thought that's um, what Siri was supposed to do. No, that's what Rich is. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, and so it, it, I think what happens is that it's a very good way for people to start, if only for the reason to get frustrated. Um, <laughs> nice. So they could call Mr. Fergoza. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, again, theoretically, we could all change the oil in our cars. We could all rotate our own tires. There's lots of things that we can all do ourselves that we're well within our abilities to. I view kind of the separate apps for each device the same way. You could do it, you know, and you have to decide what your time is worth what your frustration is worth, and how much or how little value you place on something that becomes more intuitive and tailored for your use. And that really is the, di the diverging point that we try to explain with it, which is, do you want to adapt to all of these programs, or do you want the program to adapt to you? And that is the critical decision point. 
if you want to go one way, you have less cost, more time, more frustration. Again, it's 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 no different than building a house. You know, when you walk into a new house, you got to learn your refrigerator, you got to learn your oven, you got to learn your washing machine. All of these disparate things hired by different engineers with different viewpoints on how they think you should use their product. That's all these app people are doing, right? You can look at it. None of them have the same consistency in terms of button layout, color palette, where buttons should go, how you can get from point A to point B. But you know, you're either getting it for free or for a small cost. And there's people who feel they can afford to be optimistic. Then you go the other route, which is looking at home automation and saying, how is home automation going to take the, the, the um, actions that you perform day in and day out and reduce it to a simplified concept, which is, you know, when you walk in the door, you normally do this. You, you know, it's like we're all creatures of habit. And typically, the single app solution is identifying those habits and then presenting you in a very quick and easy way how to access each of those habits and get on with your day. And that, 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 that's a very good point uh, and, and very well said, especially coming from the, the area that, you're com- that you come from because this is what you live in. Uh, granted, it's, you know. Eat, so buy that stuff. Yeah, so. buy that stuff. <laughs> Michael. Um, yes. Besides the the wife uh, acceptance factor, um, uh, apps or complete integration system? At my house, it's apps because the wife isn't going to pay for the integrated system. But what if she doesn't know? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know, I, I I'm kind of with Rich. I, I think it really comes down to how long are you willing to live, to live with the pain of the eight remote controls, ten remote controls? How many? Okay, you so know, stop, stop for a second. How many remote controls do you have? In your, because I've been to your house in your the the, the family room the downstairs the, yeah yeah so one two three four five six seven eight about eight good night wow all right continue. I want I, w- I want an app for that yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rich can we work out a barter agreement here help me with absolutely some, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we run deals. <laughs> No, no, you know what, though? I, I, I think I think Mr. Fergoza hit it on the head, though. It really comes down to how long are you willing to live with the pain? And, you know, for us personally, we just haven't hit the point where the pain was enough to justify the the expense of going forward with the full programming control system, whatever the case may be. Now, remember, I used to be an integrator. I sold Crestron. I sold AMX. I had access to all of it. Mm-hmm. And it was just more of a time issue for me than anything else. But you think about it, 90% of the time, at least in our home entertainment space, it, it, we use one device. It's a satellite receiver. Yeah. You know, we'll kick over to the Apple TV. We'll watch some Netflix. The kid will watch some movies. That's about it. It's really those two devices 90% of the time. So, you know, for us, it just doesn't make sense to go that route. Now, once I get my Nest in place and we start doing some other stuff in the house, then we'll see, right? It'd be really nice to have the near-field device capability mm-hmm. to walk in and to change settings based on, um, you know, criteria that you pre-specified. But, you know, again, it, it's all about pain, you know. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's value. And, yes. and a big part yes. of it is that, again, y- y- you have a high price of entry for a lot of these things initially. So when you're dealing with that kind of entry point, you've got people who are saying, no, I'm not. You know, I just spent $800 on this display. I spent $500 on this. I'm not going to spend X amount on top of something just to control it because it technically doesn't do anything. You know, we, we've we've heard that before. It's it's about the quality of the experience that you're creating at that point. You know, there's and it, people who buy a Honda. There's people who buy a Porsche. You know, yeah, same yeah. thing. They when, they find values from getting a point A to point B. And you know, when it, when you take the experience into effect, it's not a good experience to have to hunt for the remote that you want. No. And and you know that that's there's a lot to be said for that. And I I run into the same thing. You know, somebody will spend five thousand dollars on a new Ibanez, you know, uh, bass guitar, and they they, they won't spend thirty dollars on the right mic to put in front of the cab. And it's and it's you know it's an extension of the instrument. And likewise. The, the control mechanism is an extension of the device and the experience that you choose to live. Now, for me personally, I just want to sit down and watch my show. The experience as, as, as to how I get there isn't as important to me as an individual. But to some people, that's a big deal. And let's consider, too, I mean, just the, the article they were talking about a couple of minutes ago. If all of a sudden the switcher cost was just reduced by 70 or 80 percent, 
that now completely changes the landscape of yes. saying, yeah, you know, this used to be a $10,000 switcher. Now right. it's X. So now we can go ahead and you can buy four or five iPads. And guess what? All the stuff that we just hooked up, what if we could do this for you? So again, there's, there's all of these different parts as costs and, and barriers of entry keep getting lowered. You know, beforehand, yeah, absolutely. Touch panels were, you know, you, you if, if Robin Leach wasn't introducing it, you weren't getting one. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> But right. now yeah. you've got what was it? I just I I sorry I no, I, I just I just uh, spec'd a system where um, one of the control manufacturers had a, a touch panel, and it was a few years ago you would have paid twenty five three thousand dollars for a a comparable you know um, size screen and this that and the other. I paid a thousand bucks for it. I, th I think it retails for like eleven or twelve hundred dollars, and I paid a thousand dollars for it. That's that that right there is significant. That the cost savings is significant over the last three to five years. Mm -hmm. My question is, you know, we're talking about developing centralized control. You know, a, a unified app to yeah. control multiple devices where you may already have an app. But just like the URCs of the world or, or the Logitech Harmonies that you can go out to Best Buy and purchase, that the end user can configure. How long is it going to be until the app? Is user configurable, no. Th thus mm -hmm. rendering. Uh, but seriously, I mean, you can do it now. You could do it now with the with the universal remotes. Why can't I do that with an app? You, you okay? So I, I this is my two cents. This mm -hmm. is my prediction. I I don't ever see AMX or Crestron ever allowing. I'm not, I'm not talking AMX and Crestron. Okay. I'm talking about all these home device apps. Uh, I've got okay. my Nest. I've got my Pioneer. Yeah. I have my Samsung. Oh, I've yeah, got absolutely. you know all these other devices. I mean that can transform the Resi market right there. But a universally like programmable said, app. But just like Rich said, he's got a hundred apps. Right. What you're looking for is the Logitech Harmony app, app of apps. App of apps. Right. Yeah. And and there's a couple of companies that have tried. I mean there was a company called Orange. I th no Peel. Peel. Um, was Wait. one of the first ones who released an That's app a really good for, pizza. It is a really good pizza. Place. <laughs> who who tried to release uh, you know a device for it? And there are companies that are already pushing for it. I mean, URC is going down that line. There's companies we've seen, you know, Bitwise, Command Fusion, etc., who are strictly you know living within the device itself as much as possible, and then reaching out over to other devices over IP, or you know they maybe have a little IR dongle attached to it. You know, again, it's for the the do-it-yourself market. There's always going to be that inroad. The problem, though, again, is you know, it's it's the old joke of the flashing 12 o'clock on the VCR. Mm -hmm. Many of these people just don't want to be bothered with it. So mm -hmm. unless you can, the problem is not getting the control. The problem is amassing a database and figuring out all the things that can go wrong that a user will go through. Um, it, it, you know, it's like it, it, you know, it, we we always have the running joke that control is really twenty percent of the time we're only twenty percent of the time we're doing something. Eighty percent of the time we're just making sure you don't break it. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's valid. That's mm. valid. And and that's really the elegance of a good control system. A good control system anticipates when you're going to go down the wrong path and puts you back on it. Or a bad control system just says go for it, <laughs> or, or, or puts roadblocks or or diversions Diversion, for when you yeah. don't you do go about down the wrong path, it it circles you back around to where you should be. Hey, by the way, has anybody seen George Tucker? No. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything on this Georgie apps or or the whole Anarchy. thing? Anarchy. <laughs> Everyone should run Unix. That's it. No. No, that's that's Anthony Zotti. That is Tony Zotti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is his place. No, I'll, I'll just wait for the solar flares to hit. Yeah, oh, I, God, I, I do man. run Ubuntu. Oh, Ubuntu was like Fisher Price in the whole Unix world. <laughs> you might as well Listen run, to run, all this. Run all I can think of is it's like Fifty Shades of Integration. It's like <laughs> very nice. <laughs> I'm on top. I'm oh, on top. Oh, come on! No, no, you did not just do that. Oh. That's today's title. <laughs> Which one? Fifty Shades of Integration? Or I'm, I'm on, on top. top. <laughs> but it, yes, I think all the arguments are fair and 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 measured here about what what's really going on, and that you don't. It, it is the remote clutter. But my question really comes down to how long. Something you guys have all said as well. How long? How long before the Apple or similar ecosystem starts to take over, or the HD base T ecosystem takes over? Or AVB. How long yeah. before someone gives you the ability to integrate all of those disparate? disparate um, applications Disparate. into one. And that is my question. How long? I don't think it's that long. I don't no. either because you've got... Uh, okay, so 
Um, I always forget the name of the Canadian cable company. It's not Cox. It's Rogers? Rogers. 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 Roger, Roger. Roger. Um, we, we talked with Matt Scott before. We're sorry. Yeah, their yeah. tagline is, your cable. We're sorry. We're sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but they're already starting to put in control-ish systems, mm-hmm. right? These, these are not AMX. These are not Crestron. These are not fully integrated systems, but they're starting, right? Uh, and I don't see where it's it's too much of a leap to see uh, Cox or uh, Time Warner or Charter here Charter. in St. Louis. Yeah. God, God help us all when they start doing it. Uh, <laughs> um, or even Dish Network and DirecTV, where they start you know putting together these packages, and maybe they're powered by by Apple, or maybe they're powered by uh, Linux, or maybe they're powered mm-hmm. by some other other uh, OS. But they start getting all these guys together because all of these devices now live. Um, on the net, they all live. They all have an IP device. You give something an IP, then uh, IP you know uh, address. You can ping it. You can say, hey, what's your control protocol? What 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 is it that you're that you're uh, able to do? Uh, and what language are you speaking? And then you magically, according to the at least from the from the consumer standpoint, magically your your one remote controls everything. That means the Geek Squad can do it. Oh Lord. I am, no, I've I am, had dealings with them. No, you can't. I'm trademarking <laughs> automatically because somebody Thank you. Use it. That was a title of a show it what, was. last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually writing a blog post about the, the Geek Squad. I, I interviewed a kid for one of our student workers, and his selling point to me as to why he should be an AV student worker is that he was on the Geek Squad for five years. Okay. Oh. Did you hire him? No. Well, no, the fact that he was there for five years is reason not to. Oh, there it is. There it is. Very nice. He'll yes, be here. If he didn't become manager in, in six months, then you don't want to. You know, yeah. All right, guys. No the individual if he's listening. but uh, He probably doesn't listen to the show. He probably doesn't, you know. Anyway. He can't get his Wi-Fi to work. So yeah, there it is. <laughs> Careful. He can't. Oh, now that's a little low. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, when smart homes get hacked, this is from Forbes via Mr. Fergoza. Um it's a story uh, from Cashmere Hill uh, about this person um, basically creating a haunted house from poor or or of some poor stranger's home, um, and they did so just by hacking uh, the house. Now, was it last week or week before last? We talked about the Black Hat um, conference where they were starting to hack uh, smart homes and smart devices. Those were more brute force attacks, right? They were somewhat social engineering, uh, uh, somewhat not social engineering, but social hacking where guess people's birthdays, find out stuff like this. Uh, And we asked the question, should we start getting more stringent and and a little bit more, um, just be more aware of of our devices? I mean, if somebody hacks my home, the smartest thing I have in my house is a Nest, but that's it. I mean, I I don't have a, a Crestron or an AMX system uh, in my house so they could hack my nest and turn my heat up, I guess if they wanted to. But as devices come online, there are LG refrigerators, right? That are IP enabled. There are obviously, uh, IP, um, security cameras, which we're going to talk about here in a second. There are security systems that, you know, you can unlock people's doors. You can raise and lower garages, uh, garage doors. So this is an, an actual concern. Uh, George, when it comes to security, and, and we've talked with both people from AMX and Crashdown and AMX and everybody, all of them, uh, without without fail, most of their response is is encapsulated in something along the nature of, well, why would somebody want to hack a, a, an AMX system? Because I can. Mm, you know, exactly. You know, that's, it's, why would they want to do that? We were talking about the this, this Stuxnet uh, virus about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And the Stuxnet, if you don't remember, it was it was a virus that was in the Iranian uh, nuclear uh, facilities, and it was it was it was you know it had hacked their nu- their nuke facilities, and uh, it was something that was gave, gave you access to an enclosed system, uh, similar to an enclosed control system. And so I asked the question, and that was one of the answers I got was that eh, who would want to you know it's just a who would want to just you know turn on your lights well. 
now that we're attaching other things to it, that's who would want to. You know, people, bad people doing bad things or. The disgruntled neighbor. The disgruntled neighbor who wants to turn off or turn on your stereo. The at kid down the, the street who wants to do it just because he wants to do it. He can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, George, how do we do this? How do we protect ourselves? Um, well, be, the, fir- the first thing, I mean, look, if you look, read the article about Insteon where they said, oh, look, it, na- it did never required authentication. There was no encryption. I mean, these are silly, basic things. I think we've talked about this, and I think they've talked about this on the State of Control show on, on Aviation on here, about how so many people think 1234 password or very simple authentication is going to actually protect them. I have a clue for you. It won't. But <laughs> when, when, I was, when I was working for one of the major manufacturers, we talked about this a lot. And beside, if you do everything that you're supposed to, and it's authenticated, and you're doing the NAT, and you're doing all these other things that you're supposed to protect yourself with, the likelihood of anyone other than one of the original programmers being able to hack in and parse this specific code, this very unique and very small community, let's admit it, code is really unlikely. But once you start using open source stuff, and some of these manufacturers are now, and everything from Java and Flash to other things, if you're not protecting yourself, You've made a you've made a mistake. Just like if you put a Wi-Fi router up and go, huh, I'm just going to put it up and it's the Linksys Linksys, you're going to get hacked and someone's going to find you, right? So, yes, is it a concern? Yep. But if you protect yourself and you make sure, then this should not be an issue. These are people who bought products who they, this wasn't their fault. I don't think they unknowingly bought it, uh, a product that was wide open. Yeah, and it allowed someone to go. Oh, look at that! It's Insteon. Let me go on the download the free app. Oh, look! I can connect to it because I can read their IP address using Angry IP or any of the other numerous Wi-Fi tools that you can find out there that will just strip the entire encryption code off of it. Um, so, yeah, is it a problem? I think so, but only if you're being silly and just went, "I was too lazy to get myself protected." But don't you think that's just consumer ignorance? And I don't mean that in a, in a bad light. No, I mean, and I people, agree with you. I don't are buying, mean you're stupid in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, but I said, no offense, with all due respect. <laughs> I didn't say that. That makes it okay, right? Homewood. Jeez, homewood. Homewood could still be good. Yeah, here in Alabama. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. No, no, like those are the rules. I said no like, offense. <laughs> do people like Insteon and do people like uh, the rest of the companies need to inform the, the public? I agree, yes. And we fought long and hard about this for years about stuff, saying we need to inform them. Inform them how, though, George? Because here's the thing. You can put that information in the same packet of you know end-user mm-hmm. license agreements and they can say, well, we informed them it's on paragraph 57, subsection B. Not yes. in big red letters saying, change your freaking password to something other than 123. I'm going to give you a segue into another article. Okay. Unless you are of a generation. Oh, that very nice. Yeah, I know where it's going. Nice, nice. Yeah. You should know better. I'm sorry, but it is the new world. It's like saying I don't understand how a touch-tone phone works. Well, and here's the thing with the, the article I, George is talking about. Only if you're five years old should you be able to say I don't understand a touch-tone phone because you don't understand the concept because yeah, it doesn't it, exist. It doesn't exist, yeah. And actually, <laughs> actually I, That was like a VH1 storyteller segue. Yes. Was like, you right. know, it just yeah. went one right into the other. Um, I used to love my rotary phone. <laughs> oh, God. We had those when I was a kid. Was yes. it Bakelin? Yeah. Well, I, no, remember back I had then? a rotary phone connected to my, uh, what was it, my 1400 baud modem? No, 9600 no. was what I, I had. No, he had one. He had you, you, you had the big expensive one. Uh, yeah. But back in the in the 70s, it was an AT&T phone because yep. you could not. You it had, was a leased phone. Yeah, yeah because they, they had a law that said you could only have AT&T phones on AT&T lines. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, the article that George is talking about is uh, talking about getting seniors to embrace digital. And th- the thing of it is, uh, reading the article, he's right, except for this. Uh, the, the author is, is right, except here's a couple things. First of all, the, defini- the, the definition of senior. Uh, and I would take issue with the fact that a senior, a senior citizen, currently today, if you, if you figure either when you get your AARP card, which is 50, or you're eligible to retire, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 63 to 65, let's say, okay? Um, I hate to do this to all of us in this room and on Skype. All those folks are baby boomers, okay? 
I have a high expectation of baby boomers when it comes to technology. They should know better. I you know? know, you don't. No. See, I do. I these these are the these are the this is the generation. You're talking about your father. You realize? Yes, that, right? I know that. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, mom. But I'm talking. No, okay. I said no offense, mom. There's yeah, no I said no offense, <laughs> mom. I, I, okay, so here's the thing. My my dad has an iPad, right? And he has an he has an iPhone. He is. Growing up, I'm the one who changed the VCR setting. I mean, mm-hmm. Rich mentions the 12 o'clock. I'm the one who changed that, right? I never expected my father in a million years to understand email, understand any, anything with computers. And as technology has gotten simpler, that generation has gravitated to it and has embraced it. My father-in-law, who is a big, gruff bear, he's, you know, he's, he's been a business guy for 150 years, right? Um, actually, he's the same age as my he's dad. He's way beyond a senior. Then. Yeah, he, you know, he's yes. yeah, he's he's the same age as my dad. You know, but you know, but he he gets technology in the general sense, right? I expect more out of them than one, two, three password. But but it's there's a difference though. You're talking about the level of of being able to comprehend and consume technology versus the level of being able to deploy and implement in a safe and secure manner. There's a big difference. I don't want them to implement. I just want them to change their password. Oh, well, but, but I understand. I understand. But but the fact, the reality is they go out. You and I had this conversation the other day yeah. uh, about your, your father in particular yeah. needing a Wi-Fi router, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's going to go out. He's going to buy a Wi-Fi router from whatever box retailer he can buy it from. Probably Walmart he, or Best Buy or something. He's going to go plug it in. He's going to follow the directions. And it never says a thing about changing your password no, or how far you need to go with your password. How many special characters should you use? About using cryptic forms with special characters. About, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on, right? So, you know, the problem is it's readily available. There's not good education out there, not only for the seniors and the boomers, who are the boomers, by yeah. the way, as well as for our generation in understanding the security risks at play. Right. In my own neighborhood, I can't tell you the number of neighbors I've got who have unsecured routers who just plain old don't know better. So how do we teach them? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Well, and the difference is, again, it's it's like if you take a look at anything that's deployed by any of the, like my local cable companies, their default is default to secure, not default to unsecure. Right. They default to secure. So mm. it becomes a conscious decision on your part to go unsecure. I think part of it is I live in California and will sue anybody for any reason whatsoever. Right. So, well, you know, I, I think a part of that, it, it forces, and that that's always my feeling is that, yeah, you know, it, oddly enough, I think it was probably 10 years ago, one of my systems was crashed by a DDoS attack. Just wow. a random one, mm-hmm. you know? And, and this was when the control systems we're just starting to get IP cards in them. I mean, they weren't, it, it was like a card you had to put in to make IP work on it. And sure enough, they had defaulted to like a standard internet port, you know, it was port 80, HTTP. And sure enough, for whatever reason in the city that we were in, some hacker decided he was just gonna start crashing his way into every IP address he could find around and wound up causing our processors to crash. You know, I'd never seen it before. But, but, it but you know what? You, you know what, though, Rich? You bring up a really good point, and that and that the default is to secure. And when you do that, the the onus is on the manufacturer or the deployer to um, to make sure that that device is secure. And and I I really I blame the manufacturers for this one. Why isn't LG or Samsung requiring that their refrigerators can only authenticate to secured networks? Why is it that Nest is allowed to operate freely on an open wireless? I mean, these things just should not be able to happen, in my opinion. And you can't rely on the consumer to be able to stay up to speed on all the latest attacks and the different encryption algorithms and all the um, the different types and methods of securing devices when we as professionals have a hard time keeping up with that. So again, I throw that back to the folks that are building these products, making sure that they're built to operate in a safe and secure manner, not by option, but by default. But that also assumes that the consumer then can set up 
a secured. <laughs> and but but but, you, but the, again, that goes back. Linksys, D-Link, uh, Trendnet. Oh, I don't. don't even, I, I, I don't Cisco. care who you are. Cisco, Cisco, Cisco. Because that's go, the big. Well, it, it is Cisco. Linksys Linksys, is Linksys. Cisco, right? Ah, <clears throat> Linksys is Cisco. But but seriously, why can I go out and buy a Wi-Fi router that's just automatically open? It shouldn't happen. It should already have. Uh, some sort of encryption set up, some sort of, even if it's a default web key and you have to change it immediately upon logging in, it's not that difficult to write that script and make that happen. And you don't accept anything less than eight characters. You have to put special characters in it. Why is that so difficult to do? And it's by using those algorithms or those those methodologies, then you're forcing people to use encryption on their on their homelands. And, and where Rich is going with this, and, and he made a very good point, not where he's going, but where I took it, is all the <laughs> thanks? Oh my! All, the, what, all what these Rich devices. Was really saying all, all these devices. You know, we're we're more and more Wi-Fi enabled than we ever were before. Yes, if, if we're working in a hardwired environment, this is not so much a problem. You have the entry point of security you have to be concerned about, yeah. and that's it. But my goodness, my iMac, my my Direct TV receiver, my Apple TV, all these things are wireless devices, which means the neighbors can see them. Yeah. Which means it has to be encrypted if I'm going to maintain a secure connection and keep myself safe. Well, I'll give you this. the In, in my home little stack of, of junk, um, everything except my cable box is wireless. Mm -hmm. My Apple TV, my Blu-ray player, and the Xbox are all wireless. Right. They all connect wireless. So I can sit out in your driveway yeah. and I can see every one of those devices. And my, and my nest. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you're not running some sort of encryption and, you know, let's face the facts. Yeah, I can sit out there long enough and, and analyze your data and crack your web key, whatever the case may be. Right. But somebody's got to really want to do it and they've got to know what they're doing to be able to make that happen. Yeah. Wow. That was a good one. <laughs> Um, let's see what else we got here on the stack. Um, we only got time for a few more here. Did we, we never did do our uh, AV security show, did we? You know what we didn't? Did we, you, we need you, to revisit, we need that. revisit that. Yeah, that might be a, a good spinoff out of uh, a state of control. By the way, Rich, we are taping that tomorrow. So yeah, no. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, we're just going to change this to the the whole Logan's Run view of automation. There we go. Right? Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, let's hit this one since we're already talking about security and stuff. IP surveillance. Um, it is the next uh, gold mine, according to CE Pro. Uh, that is the uh, this, uh, from our buddy Jason Knott. Um, typical residential CCTV system uh, has four or five cameras, and these guys are running twenty to twenty-five bucks a month per camera for the service. Now, Rich, you were on a uh, on a uh, Infocom today a few months ago, talking about service contracts and and getting uh, the end user. Uh, their head wrapped around this, and honestly, I still think it's the, getting the accounting department, their head wrapped around this whole re recurring revenue system. Um, how do you convince, how do you talk to people when it comes to uh, service contracts, when it comes to you know uh, uh, extending the relationship beyond here's the keys to your fancy-smancy AMX system? Uh, how, do you, how do you talk to them about stuff like that? Uh, <clears throat> You know the 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 uh, with this one, okay. Uh, yeah, I've got. I I had an interesting take on this article, okay. so I'll, I'll 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 come back to it. But with it is it's like anything else. Is that how much do you want to be bothered? You know, do you want to call me when there's a problem, or do you want me to take care of a problem before you know it? You know, it's it's you know again, I'm I'm like Captain Analogy. It's like the OnStar version, or it's about the self diagnosing device that says, oh, I've got something wrong. Let me take care of it for you. Let me provide you the convenience. Let me do all of the things so that your lifestyle isn't inconvenienced. It always comes back to what is your peace of mind? What is your frustration level? What are all of these things worth? You know, These are all the things that you could do on your own. Step, 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 step. Now, if there were a way that you didn't have to worry about that, and for X amount a month, it never became an issue, and if it was an issue, somebody comes in, knocks on your door, or sends you an email and says, hey, I need to come by in the next 48 hours to do A, B, and C. Would that be of value to you? Client looks and says, yes, it is, or no, it isn't. Typically what happens, the one who says, no, it isn't, when they have their first problem, then they decide, oh, maybe that made sense. <laughs> Case in point. 
electronics have the innate ability to break at the worst possible time. They have a sixth sense about it. They have a sixth sense about it. I can't tell you how many holidays, barbecues, bar mitzvahs, graduations, etc., 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 that 24 hours before the event, I get a panicked call, you know, that something went weird. Fortunately, you know, now we're able to go in and say, hey, we're seeing this happen beforehand, and we get little email or text updates that something's starting to act hanky. Um, but, you know, it's, it's with electronics, again, it's like a vehicle. It's like anything else. It's not a matter of if it breaks. It's a matter of when and what our plan is to, give, to, to get you back up and running in the most efficient and painless way possible. That, that's that's really about all we do. You know, we're facilitators. You know, we make things, and especially when it comes to entertainment. And again, let's 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 go back to it. There's a lot of stuff that I do is entertainment. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not necessarily performing open heart surgery here. I'm making sure you get HBO. That's about <laughs> it. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm making sure that you got the premiere of Duck Dynasty on Wednesday. You know, that's my only job right now. And and so with somebody who's making an investment and again it winds up being consummate with the investment they spend four figures they're going to have x amount of expectations five figures heightened expectations six and seven figures much higher expectations because the conversation always comes down to if something breaks well i spent x i expect x it's no different than what happens when again it's it's if you if you buy you know something from the used car lot as opposed to you go top of the line Mercedes Benz, there is a certain experience that you're used to. Going to this camera thing, basically what they're talking about with the camera thing is they're saying, hey, look, you should not worry about people freaking out about a four thousand dollar investment or a two thousand dollar investment for a surveillance system, and they have to buy the network recording unit. Go ahead and sell them a service contract like the security company does, and you store the video for them. And that way, they only have to spend X amount a month, and for every customer that you get, that's free money. It's it's you know it's printing money for you. Uh, the numbers that they were talking about per camera, I found that to be optimistic <laughs> in okay. terms of what people would be willing to spend. The bigger concern that I had with this, and it was, like I said, I, I think one of the things that interested me the most was the comments about this article than the article itself, is that it doesn't speak to liability. You know, the mm. way that the article phrased it was, yeah, you can make money. What it really should be is you could make money if everything goes perfect and you never have a problem. Yeah, kind of hard to put point. that in a byline. Yeah, Rich, I, same thing I was thinking the minute I read it was like, Interesting. I have safety and personal um, privacy issues since mm-hmm. the central station is not a licensed or, exactly. you know, now we had a couple of years ago, maybe even uh, it, this seems to occur on a regular basis where you have an alarm system in which the central station can talk to the homeowner of central station employees listening in. Mm-hmm. Now they can look in. And I'm not so sure if that's something all of us or any of us want. Um, you know, I, I used to work with a guy who completely wired his house, actually a rental. <laughs> it's a very funny story, but that's another time. He, he completely configured this rental house that he had with an automation system. And I, he had I, cameras. I had to doing the same thing. You're right. And he had cameras. And what he had was basically the voices of Warner Brothers cartoon characters chirping <laughs> off every time one of them went on. So he knew when they were on, and he could tell. And it was independent of the system itself. It was an electrical connection that once the camera went on or the iris opened or whatever he ha- wired it up to, he knew. It still freaked me out. Like, you know, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a humble man, and I'm not embarrassed easily, but... I don't want you looking in on me, and I don't know if I want anyone else telling me that for 25 bucks a camera, they'll guarantee my security. That seems a little bit too low, if you ask me at that point. Right. It, it, just, it, it opens up, and I think, I think the thing that occurred to me is that, again, this, was, this article is in CE Pro. Primarily, the focus of CE Pro is AV integrators. It yeah. wasn't in security contractors news. It wasn't in surveillance guy news, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was in hey I've hooked up you know I sold you a chief mount and a Samsung display and an AV receiver and X Y and Z and the article basically says and you too 
can make this because again you know i mean literally that's that's part of what i think what it said was hey consider 25 dollars a month per customer and you get x amount of customers that's free money it's not you know and that's that's the thing that concerned me is that they're like you were just talking about is that how do you how do you monitor it how long do you keep the information you know the legal ramifications you know your employees vetting your employees your policy you know x amount that you look at this, it takes one lawsuit and you're upside down. Yeah. It takes yeah. it, it takes the the thought of one lawsuit and having to defend yourself. Well, and quite frankly, twenty five dollars a month per camera isn't enough to justify that. I mean, right. the, the risk the risk benefit ratio is not high enough, right. or low enough, I should say, to justify taking on that type of service. And and in my previous life, I worked for an integrator who had a very very large strong security arm very well known in the industry for both IP surveillance and alarm burglar intrusion. And this was a point of discussion many, many, many times in providing hosted video surveillance offerings into the commercial space. And the risk and liability just in the commercial space, let alone residential, was astronomical taking that on. I mean, there were UL certifications you had to get. There were there were state guidelines you had to abide by. There, the laws are different depending on what state you're monitoring in. You and know, if, and as, if you cross state lines. And if you cross state lines, you know, all that stuff comes into play, not to mention the information retention aspects of it. Now, I can see for an AV integrator, um, a good solution would be to lease a storage solution that resides at the residence that we can remotely monitor the health of without necessarily seeing the content. And that, to me, would provide a lot more value to the consumer and a lot more security to the integrator while still providing a great service. And see, that that was how I took Jason's article, where it wasn't someone actively monitoring, i.e. being able to look in on, on people's houses. It was more, you know, you've got your security system and you can, you know, either you have your safe ho- your, your safe room, in, you know, with, with it has all your cameras going to it. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, I have every one of those cameras going an isolated signal back to a central repository on our facility that we're simply logging for but, you. But the fact but that it's leaving your home network. Remote <laughs> you both, you storage <laughs> of images. It's saying, hey, yeah. you are storing it Off-site. someplace other than the house. You yeah. are storing it someplace else you know quote unquote in the cloud which means it's accessible and as soon as you do that it's accessible and now your your consumer is at risk once once it leaves the prem of their network so so in my opinion that's just a place that the typical av integrator is not going to want to to walk in i mean there's just too much too much yeah i mean again it was it what's the right word to use for this um there should have been a preface that an integrator can enter this if they're conscientious. Um, And to not be conscientious would be to open yourself up to a lot of downsides for irresponsible use of materials. Well, but, 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 you know, again, there is a business model that would work here. Yeah. And, yes. and like I said, it's no different than remote monitoring or, or remote uh, management of devices. But the, the deal has to be that the content does not leave the premise. It just comes down to yeah. what you're monitoring. Because I'll be darned if you're going to put a camera in my house and record anything and have the potential that you're going to see what's going on. <laughs> I, I used to live with you. I don't even want to think about that. Mm. Yeah. We yeah, used to be roommates. Right. We were roommates right. before we got before, before. I almost said before we got married. <laughs> before we met our wives. <laughs> we, we are in Illinois, so technically we could have a civil union. Uh-huh. Yeah. And come January 1, yourself. we could, you know, we could, we could light it up and, yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, with us has been my former roommate um, <laughs> and apparently civil partner, Michael Drainer oh. from Sennheiser USA. How can people get a hold of you, find you, buy at, microphones from you if they'd like? Absolutely. At Michael Drainer on Twitter. You can also visit SennheiserUSA.com or my blog, which hasn't been posted in about two years, MichaelDrainer.com. <laughs> well, but I we're going to change that. You're going to change We're going to change that. We're working right. on some stuff. Uh, also with us, uh, Mr. Rich Fergoza from Fergoza Design. Uh, how can people get a hold of you, sir? You can find me on Twitter at rfergosa. You can find me on the uh, website at rich or you can fergosadesign.com. Um, and also make sure Cedia Expo is coming up in about five and a half weeks. 
sign up for free passes using code CT2. So that's the big one right now. I got to make sure that uh, I'd love to see you all at Cedia this year. CT2, Charlie Tango 2. Yep, and you can find me on the interwebs and Facebook and Google Plus and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just type in my name and I like a bad habit, I just keep showing up. All right. Uh, all right, and last but not least, Mr. George Tucker, how can people find you, sir? Oh, boy, if it's uh, social, it's Tucker Twos. That's T-U-C-K-E-R-T-U-E-S. If it's social, I'm there. They may not all be active, but I'm there. Yeah, you're more active than Michael's blog. How about that? Oh, I fuck. It doesn't, it doesn't take it much. It doesn't take much. All right, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's That's Tim David. T.D. Albright. Uh, did you make another ex-wife comment? No, I okay. did not. No, sorry. That <laughs> wasn't me. Uh, T.D. Tim David Albright on Twitter. But more importantly for me and, and all the fine folks here at AV Nation, go by the website. Uh, they did a really, really good job on it, and they're doing a better job on the new one. Um, at least that's what they keep telling me. <laughs> avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. They've been working on it for a while. Um, Matt Scott. I think, I think they started with some guy named Tim Berners-Lee. I don't know. Um that was They're working on Canadian. Time. That was a geek so. joke. Avianation.tv. Avianation.tv, you'll find this uh, this show as well as we mentioned the State of Control, uh, which we record August show uh, tomorrow, uh, Monday, with August uh, 19th, with Mr. Mr. Fergoza and Steve Greenblatt and uh, one new person that we haven't had on yet. So. Uh, you'll find this show. We just uh, recorded a new AV Social, which we'll be posting this week uh, with the fine duo of uh, AV Dawn, Dawn Mead, and Kelly Perkins from uh, Vadio. And I think somebody named George Tucker was on that one as well. Um, you were on that one, weren't you? I was producing. There I wasn't go. really vocal. Okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, we've got, he does have a, a live life coming down the pike uh, from Infocom and DIY, a whole bunch of others. So, yeah, go by the website, avianation.tv. AVNation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week. 